Sometimes at No Gray Areas, we love to simply share human interest stories. This week, after celebrating Memorial Day this past weekend, we have a powerful human interest story of a young Marine who had a tragic accident in his recovery process that took perseverance, tenacity, and courage. It's a story that will inspire and motivate all of us. Patrick McDonald, thank you so much for being on No Gray Areas. Uh, the week that this drops is actually uh, the week right after Memorial Day. So we just celebrated Memorial Day. And as our audience is going to find out, uh, you're retired uh, uh, Marine, uh, wounded. They're going to hear all that story in a little bit. But let me just, first of all, say thank you for your service. No, thank you. I, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to be on the podcast and happy to share the story a little bit. Yeah. Well, we... Really mean that, um, especially on this week, remembering that. But what does Memorial Day mean to you now, or is it different since you've served? And especially as the audience is going to hear, you've been wounded, and the, the whole story we'll hear in a moment. But has it changed for you? I don't know if it's changed for me. My understanding of Memorial Day has changed. There's there's three different military appreciation days throughout the year, right? You've got Veterans Day, you've got Memorial Day, and you've got Military Appreciation Day. Mm -hmm. So. Each one of those days, for especially for military members and their families, carries a different weight, mm -hmm. right? Veterans Day is when we celebrate everybody who got out anybody and everybody served, who's yeah. ever served yep. at any time. Military Appreciation Day is when we should focus on the active duty guys. Mm -hmm. Memorial Day is when we focus on those who are no longer with us, mm -hmm. regardless of how that is. Um, and so Memorial Day always hits a little bit harder for yeah. those of us that are in, yeah, because or have served because it's, it it carries some punch, yeah, and it it hits hard. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of times when you'll see guys and they'll spend their Memorial Day out at a out of cemetery. Mm -hmm. They won't leave. They'll go to Arlington and they will sit there for 12 hours. Yeah. But that's just how they are going to live their life. Yeah. Because when you lose your brothers or yeah. your sisters, you, that doesn't go away. Yeah. And so it, it carries a different weight now. I don't know if it's changed, but it definitely, I have a different understanding of all three of those days. Well, and that's why I asked Patrick, because I'm assuming that's the case. You know, we, we as uh, Americans, we honor the military and especially Memorial Day, those that have lost their lives or sacrificed their lives for that. But it's probably hits a little closer to home. I mean, sometimes you may know someone or so it's, it's Absolutely. different for you. So Absolutely. yeah, well, we really do appreciate that. And mm, thank you. So let's, let's back up. Let's get a little bit of your story. So we're, we're going to, we're we're going to eventually land on um, what you're going to do in June. I'm setting yes. the audience up so they have to yes. wait for this because this is pretty cool what you're going to do in June. But we'll get there. But let me back up first of all. So why 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 the Marine Corps? What did you decide on so, the Marine Corps versus the other ones? I always knew I wanted to join the military. There wasn't really ever a question about that in my mind and my family's minds once I had set my mind on that. It was just a matter of what branch. So my grandfather was in the Navy and – that was my first phone call. Yeah. I called them and I said, Hey, I'm interested in doing this. I want to, you know, talk about going into possibly SEAL program. I want, like, what do I need to do? How do I need to prepare myself? Can I have a conversation with you guys just to get to know yeah. what needs to happen? Yeah. And the first thing you told me was, well, I need your high school transcripts. I need these me medical information. I need all of this. And I was like, I just want to have a conversation. Like, I don't, I just have some <laughs> yeah. basic questions. Way too much for exactly. Like, yeah. I'm like, this is like, he's like, well, this is like, I can't, I can't even talk to you until I have this. I was like, okay. So I hang up, go talk to my mom about it. My mom was all, I mean, she was not happy. Yeah. So she calls the recruiter's office. The recruiter's probably never and, forgotten oh, that call from well, your mom. I guarantee she never has. Because <laughs> how many times do you get some 
Christian white lady who yeah. you'd never expect to get a phone call from. And all of a sudden she's like, you just had a conversation with my son and my father was in the Navy and I feel so ashamed of you right now. And he was like, oh, wow. and you, oh it was like, wow. she, and it was, she didn't like yell at him. She just yeah. was like, totally just made him feel bad. Yeah. I was like, this is awesome. Um, he would so probably then, get, rather get reamed out yeah. by a drill oh, instructor. Absolutely. Than you'd rather get reamed out by your CO <laughs> yeah, 10 yeah. times more than you'd ever rather get reamed yeah. out by a, a mom. And so the next day I drove down there and the Navy door was right here and right next to it was a Marine Corps door. And I was like, okay, I'm going in there. So I walked into the Marine Corps door and I was like, hey, who can I talk to? And they're like, what school do you go to? And I was like, TCA. And they're like, him. And they pointed to a desk. I went and sat down and talked to him for three and a half hours. Walked out of there. A week later, I signed my enlisted papers. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily So did you go in right out of high school? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like how no, like, soon? Like you like graduated high school? Two and a half months. Two and a half months. So you graduated in high school two and a half months. You're on the bus mm-hmm. heading to San Diego, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah. <laughs> boot camps. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, you'll see like Army or Air Force boot camp. But with the Army and the Air Force, and I think the Navy as well, you, you get to have your phone there. You get to have weekends where you're not, you know, mm-hmm. you have time mm-hmm. off. You maybe not, you're not leaving, yeah. but like, we don't have any of that in the Marine Corps. Yeah. You write letters, like handwritten letters. I would be interested. I, I wish I could talk to your mom and find out what it was like for, because oh, I remember watching yeah. my wife. It was very hard for her because we had two kids going through there and you're, you don't hear, you don't, you don't get phone calls. You don't get updates. You know, they're going through hell, mm-hmm. and, but you don't get to find out how things are going. Maybe every once in a while, a letter, but yep. Yeah. And no, it's, it's a, it's a wild thing because the recruiters try and prepare you for it and they try and say, Hey, you know, this is what we're going to be doing. Like, this is what you're going through. This is what you're going to, what's going to happen. You won't have any contact with the outside world, yeah. but it's like, that's three months of that. Like I talked to my mom twice over those three months. Yeah. The only reason I got to do that was my senior drill instructor said, uh, was like, Hey, if anybody gets a perfect PFT or a perfect CFT, so a combat fitness test or a personal fitness test. So that's yeah. either a three mile run pushups and crunches or uh, 880 meter run, uh, call it the movement to contact and then, uh, maneuver under fire, which is like a, basically an obstacle course with like ammo cans and you throw a grenade. To yeah. Tennis yeah. Ball. It's yeah. Singer. But, um, <laughs> you go, you do that and then you have, uh, ammo can lifts yeah. for the, for the yeah. CFT. Yeah. And so those three, and it's like, if you get a perfect score for your age, you get a 300, 300 is a perfect score. And so, like, if anybody gets a 300 on their final PFT or their final CFT, I'll give you a phone call at home from my phone. And that meant and a that, lot. that means a lot. Like, yeah. that, that's like gold. So, that's you, like, did, you did it? You got so, a perfect- I, got, I got a perfect CFT, and oh, I thought I was going to die that day. And uh, I've, every CFT I ran for score after that, I got a perfect CFT. And I completely nice. attribute it to my senior drill instructor because it's like yeah. that first one, if you don't get a perfect one, you're probably not going to after yeah. that because it's just like, you know what you're capable of. Yeah. That yeah. was where my brain was like, okay, yeah. now I know I'm capable. How, of how long into boot camp were you when you did that? When you got to call home? Your, uh, the first one was like, I don't know, two months in. Okay, so it's still, still, yeah. so that, well, and it was like two phone calls. In like so, a so week. tell the audience. So uh, some of the audience may not be aware mm-hmm. of the military. So how long is boot camp for boot a camp for the Marine Corps is thirteen weeks. Okay, or at thirteen least weeks for me it was, and They've then you finish it, it off with that's kind of a new thing, right? What is that? So now your last three days. Well, yes, yeah, so it's it's the crucible. The and on the East Coast and on the West Coast, it's, it's slightly different. It's yeah. the same time frame, the same parameters. It's just different climates yeah. and different terrain. So, yeah. but basically, we spend three days, seventy-two hours, in uh, on the West Coast. It's you're up at Camp Pendleton and you're yeah. hiking in the hills 
for all three days. Yep. You get about six hours of sleep over those 72 hours yep. and you have an MRE for each day. Yeah. So that's about 2000 calories of intake a day. Yeah. And we hiked just short of 75 miles yeah. in those three days. Both my kids' feet are still messed up from that. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. Like, no, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's yeah. insane. But then on top of all the hiking and everything, you're doing like obstacle courses. And so they have like different. It's like team. Like yeah, te team building stuff. Yeah. So typically it's it's Medal of Honor recipients, uh, Navy Cross, which in the Marine Corps and the Navy is just a step down from the mm -hmm. Medal of Honor. And what they did, so they kind of try and recreate something similar yeah. to what that was yeah. in a training environment. And so that's that's what you're doing. You're doing all these different obstacles and all these different crazy things on top of hiking, on top of no sleep. Yeah. And then it all culminates with, at least on the West Coast, uh, the Reaper. The Reaper is a mountain that you climb that's basically straight up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's near as makes no difference, straight up in the air. And you start at like three o'clock in the morning and you hike out there, and you're miserable and you're carrying 80 pounds on your back, you're tired and you're sore and your feet have blisters and you don't want to be here. But you get to the top of the Reaper and you're Marine. Yeah. And the entire, every, every moment, everything you've ever been called leading up to this is, hey, you. Yeah. Or recruit McDonald. You had to refer to yourself. I had to refer to myself in third person. Yeah. This recruit. You're never, I am not, I'm you're not never I, called a Marine. I'm not me. I'm, I am this recruit. This recruit. Okay. This recruit. Like that is certainly never three called months. a Marine, right? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. For three months, you call yourself this recruit. You refer to yourself in the third person. Anytime you're talking to somebody that's even remotely higher than you. And then all of a sudden you do the Reaper and it's like, okay. Yeah. Congratulations. And it's the first time your drill instructors recognize you as another human being. And so it's always really impactful for everybody. I mean, mm -hmm. there's not a dry eye on the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. And your drill instructor walks up to you and he's got this little EGA in his hand. It's a little piece of metal and it's probably worth about $3. But that's the single most valuable thing I own really? by far. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because your drill instructor, the guy who's been torturing you for the last three months, and one of the few individuals that you truly hate in this world <laughs> walks up to you and he goes congratulations yeah man. and he shakes your hand and he hands you this this ega yeah. and you're like holy cow yeah this is the biggest moment of my life and it's it's mind-blowing and then you hike back the, the next 10 mile hike back is horrible but oh, you know you man. know you know that the chow hall is all yours yeah so they open it up for like two hours for just the guys who have done the, just coming back <laughs> from the crucible sick? Oh, well, some guys did. Yeah. But you just sit there and you, you just had enough self-control to eat and you just yeah. eat. So did you like boot camp? Was it a good experience for you or was it love-hate relationship? Oh, what? Yes and no. I think everybody kind of has, it's a gradual thing. Yeah. So it's like initially you absolutely hate it. You hate every second of it. You're like, I do not want to be here. I do not want to be doing this at all. And then transitions into like, okay, this is actually not too bad. And then you have a bad day and you're like, why am I here? Yeah. And you're sitting there in your bed at night and everybody else is asleep and you're just like, yeah, thinking about like I should quit. I should, Lonely. I should just yeah. Oh, absolutely. You feel like you're the only person in the world. Yeah. And then you wake up the next morning and you look to your right and you look to your left and you're like, oh, these guys are also suffering with me. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think I can do this. And then you know you kind of slap yourself out of it. That's so. where that camaraderie comes, yeah. doesn't it? Where you mm -hmm. you suffered together, you yeah. achieve those things together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. suffering together is really what what brings it all together mm -hmm. because it's one of those things that. If you if you've ever suffered with somebody through a specific encounter environment, yep. whatever it is, yep. you have this sense of family with them and yep. this connection that will never be broken. Like I mean, I could talk to guys that I haven't talked to in years from boot camp, yeah, and it'd be like we never, we were never apart. I, that's so true because again, even if someone wasn't in the military, if there's something they went through, even through a, an emotional mm -hmm. struggle, 
there was someone who walked through that with them during that time. There's a connection they have that that's unlike any other for sure. Yeah. So let's fast forward then. You you're in the Marine Corps for about four years when this accident takes place, right? Yeah, just sh- just shy of four years. Okay. And you were in um, California and Texas, yep. the two places you were stationed. Yep. And your job, you were telling me your yes. the MOS yes. is MOS what they call it. Seven fifty one as yeah. a aircraft rescue and firefighting specialist. So basically our job was to put out fires. Yeah. And if the need be, kill people. So. Yeah. Which is interesting because that's what we were talking about. Yeah. We, the duality. We turn the of, mics on. Yeah, the duality of that because you're trained like if a helicopter goes down, if you're in enemy, ter- enemy territory, you're out there, you're putting out the fire and trying to rescue the people in the helicopter, but you're also shooting people that may be trying mm-hmm. to kill you. So that's the, it's, the duality it's, of the thing wild. you were trained yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. And so like when we're training, even outside of like MLS school, outside of boot camp, outside of everything. We try and create the single most stressful environment that people have ever encountered mm-hmm. in training. Because mm-hmm. once you know how somebody, you know, works in a stressful environment, it's like, okay, hey, I know how to train you now. Yeah, I know how I know what you need to work fast and what we need to work on with you, yeah. so that you're ready if we ever have to do this. Yeah. So it's it it sucks in the moment, and when you're when you're the new guy and you're just suffering, you're like, this is yeah. the stupidest thing ever. And then you sit back and like three years later, you're like, wow, I needed that. Well, Patrick, this this segues well into what we're going to talk about because I'm convinced that suffering teaches us something in life that nothing that nothing else can. So whether you're suffering through training, like you're talking about, but you ended up at another level of suffering in a way because then you've been in for about four years. You're in 29 Palms, is that yes, correct? Which is in Palms. California, yep. and you're training, yeah. right? To so walk well, us through so what happens. I, it was we, well, we were in Yuma that week. It was it was I think it was a Friday. Yeah, so we were in we were in Yuma. We were doing some firefighting training, and uh, we'd done this like five six times. So it was easy breezy. Go in, stay the night before, do the training Friday morning, hop in the cars, drive back. Yeah, simple. So we're driving back, and they're like, "Okay, cool. Everybody's on leave. Like, your time is yours. When we get back, get in your cars, go, and you're on your weekend." Mm-hmm. We're like, "Awesome, sweet." So get back. I text one of my friends. I'm like, "Hey, let's go climbing. Like, I just need to get out of here. I don't want to be." doing anything related to the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. So we go into Joshua Tree and we're like basically the first rock that we find we go to get on and drive up to it, look at it. We're like, well, we could climb this from the front side, but there's a section in the middle that we didn't know how we could get past. We're like, "Eh, let's see if we can climb around the back and like rappel down and look at that Mm -hmm. up close so we can see. All right. Yeah, no, this isn't climbable. And then we leave. Yeah. So... Climb around the backside, get up there is pretty easy. Get our anchor set in place. And I'm the kind of person where I'm like, I set the anchor, I'm testing it, I'm going first. That's just the way it is. How, how high were you? About? About 65 feet. Okay. So that's a ways up there. Yeah. Clip in, get my repelling device on there, and I hop over the wall and I'm putting my weight on the anchor. And I'm like, this thing isn't going anywhere. I'm good. So I start my repel, get down, and maybe three feet over the side of the wall and you know your rope jumps when you're repelling because it just does when you put tension on something like that it's going to shift a little bit first few times that's yeah so it, oh, yeah exactly you're like okay I've repelled and you're, a few yeah times. you're feeling it yeah. settle and you're like okay we're good yeah and so i start my repel and all of a sudden i'm just falling completely uncontrolled just falling and it was like instantaneous so i had enough time to look over my right shoulder and i turned this way and it shifted my whole body so when i hit the ground I landed pretty much completely on my right butt cheek, just completely obliterated it. And I landed on top of a rock 
and then my feet slammed into the like ground. Like from 60, 65 feet? About 60 feet, yeah. So wow. hit, well, the initial fall was probably about 45, mm -hmm. 45, 50. And then it was an, the extra tumble down that added. So you, you hit that first time. Yeah, so I hit a rock. So because it was like the rock went up. And so we're on the top of this part. So it, we hit at like the very base of this thing. So it's like probably a 45, 50 foot fall. And then you tumble. And so I landed on my landed on my butt and hit my head. And that's when I blacked out, tumbled backwards, landed in a pit of gravel on my back. And I came to my best guess is about five minutes later. I can only imagine what my climbing partner was going through in those few minutes. Yeah. Um, but and I've probably think you're dead. Oh, absolutely. Because she she couldn't see me for one. Two, she had no idea where I was and she couldn't hear anything. Like I wasn't making yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah. So she's yelling. To she's you thinking. Or oh, she thinks you know, she's response. thinking gone. Yeah. And so oh, I told my mom when I was in the hospital, and I actually don't remember this conversation. She's told me about it a couple of times, but I have no recollection of it. She goes, "Yeah, you said you basically were like, all right, Lord, um, you either take me right now or I'm waking up down there." And it was just a split second thought where it's like, okay, this is this is either it, I'm done, I'm gone, or I'm waking up and there's something else you want me to do here, and I woke up. And so wow. I wake up and I just let out a groan, just trying to get my breath back, right? I'm completely yeah. winded. Who knows how long I've been unconscious. It was just like, <gasps> and I just a grunt. And she heard it and she came climbing down, ran down. And then I like crawl, was able to, still don't know how to do this. I rolled over my right side, which was after a while, we found out that that was the hip that was damaged the most. So I rolled over my right side, crawled over to a rock and picked myself up on top of it and was kind of putting went to go put my weight on my knees to try and get up and I just felt an absolute searing burning pain go all through my right leg and I was like damn so mm -hmm. I thought I thought I had dislocated my hip because you know I'm like oh, I only felt a little bit it wasn't that bad and uh you know I looked down at my leg and I'm you know I'm bleeding a little bit but I'm like it's nothing crazy my hip is all sorts of, I can just see it's all sorts of screwed up. I was like, I like probably, you can, you can look oh, at it. Oh yeah. Tell. You can see your like, like, you yeah. know what your leg looks yeah. like Yeah. when it doesn't look like that. You're yeah. like, okay, that's yeah. something's wrong here. So I looked at that. I was like, I probably dislocated it. I could put some weight on my left leg. So I would do that until it hurt. And then I'd go back up on my arms. Um, Jamie actually ended up running about a mile to get service on her phone. Um, call 911, tell them where we were. And run back. She had flagged down a couple of motorcyclists that were riding by and they came over and they were helping me. And so it was like, I would go until my arms were shaking and then they would pick me up. And the way that the guy would pick me up, because he didn't know how to pick me up, but he would cut off my brachial artery. So my arms would go numb and I'm like, okay, you can put me down now. So when I couldn't feel my arms, I'd go back down on my arms until they start shaking again. And then he picked me up. We did that for about 45 minutes or an hour. Like to, cause you had, you hiked into this place. So uh, well, I mean, it was right off the side of the road. Yeah. So we were, I mean, it was just like, for this to happen in terms of a place, best place it could have wow. happened because she was able to just flag people down. They could come over and help me. And then she ran to go find service and then came back. So, so we're going to continue mm -hmm. where, how you get out of there, but tell us about like, so we have an understanding of what kind of injuries you were dealing with. Like you eventually yeah. will find so, out what you, you, you're on the bottom um, of this cliff with what injuries. Yeah. So I, the way I kind of introduce myself to a lot of people is I go, Hey, I'm Patrick McDonald. I fell 65 feet in a rock climbing accident. and broke my pelvis, both my feet, my sternum had a concussion at TBI. And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. what did you just say? Wow. And I'm like, hang on. So yeah, I broke my pelvis. I had spi uh, spider webs of fractures all through my right, the right side of my pelvis. Pubic symphysis was, completely shot. I don't have an issue with tuberosity. So your sit bone, when you sit down, 
you feel like the bones of your butt. Yeah. Don't have it on the right side. So I can literally just tilt myself to the right. It's gone? No, it's gone. Doesn't exist. So on the bike, oh, it's wild. Um, I was just, okay, yeah, we yeah. got to get, because we'll get into that. I've spent a lot um, of time riding bikes. That's no, got to be, okay, it's we'll crazy. come back to yeah. that. So I don't have a sip on my right side. Um, and then the, what, because can, can of I, when I, I really it, quick, yeah. was it just, was that just shattered? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, what basically turned it up? That's what you hit because you did that initial what, yeah. fall. The initial impact. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All on the initial tuberosity. Okay. So, so hit that. And then I broke both my feet, my right or my left heel bone broke in half because what happened was I landed on top of the rock and then my head sling slung back and my feet slammed forward. So my feet slammed into the rock in front of Hard my head. To hit, just... Yeah. My head hit the rock behind me and I tumbled back. Do you have a helmet on? Nope. My helmet wouldn't have done anything. It would just shatter. Yeah. 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 But so still though. Especially climbing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it was just can, like. I can see why it's almost a miracle of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So basically, the initial surgeries were like, put me back together, hold me together. And then we did a couple more where I have two screws in my left heel. I've got about eight screws in a plate in my hips holding everything together. But I've got one big one that's about, you know, seven, eight inches long yeah. that goes straight through my SI joint. Yeah. So I have no mobility in my lower spine at all. So if I like reach over and touch my toes, that is all hip mobility. That's not my bad. So your lower all. spine. It's it's is, basically is, fused. Yeah. So like your where your sacrum mm-hmm. and your spine meet. So your, where your sacrum and your iliac yeah. meet is called your SI joint, your yeah. sacroiliac joint. Yeah. Mine was broken, right? So my SI joint and that, that fusion between the two, the left and right sides of my pelvis was broken. And so when they would roll me and they'd turn me onto my side, I could feel my hips shifting because they had I had some wounds on my backside that they had to check every day. And sometimes multiple times a day. So you mean after they did the surgery, you're mm-hmm. doing that? That's so not like yeah. after the accident. You're feeling yeah, everything so this shifting? Is like, yeah, so like surgery, oh it's just like a week afterwards. Yeah. I'm still in the hospital. I'm in the bed. They're having to roll me onto my side. And I can feel my pelvis shifting. And I'm like, hey, doc, I know this is probably not normal. And he's like, yeah, we're going to look at that. So we did, you know, MRIs and everything. But um, they ended up putting in a massive bolt. It's like yeah. an inch away from my spine. So when you go through airports, you definitely set off the. Well, yeah. <laughs> you got a lot so of metal. I, in yeah, you. I flew out to Denver like last weekend, and I go through the big scanner thing, yeah. and they're like, "I was like, yeah, I know, I have metal in my <laughs> hips," and they're like, they're "Like, Jim, I was like, no, I don't. You can pat me down." And he's like, "I was like, just get it over with." And he's like, "Okay, <laughs> I'm sure every and time he, yeah. you fly, oh, right?" It's, and so I avoid flying now. I just. Try, if I can avoid it, I do, and I'll just drive. I can't imagine when they look at the screen. They're like, it's the just like a super dense piece of metal on yeah. my hips, and they're like, "This yeah. guy have like a gun on him or yeah. something." And they're like, "Also, I'm like, guys, I can show you." You the will never yeah. not get patted down yeah. for sure. Yep. So now, so okay, so this injury happens, and they're mm-hmm. you're, they're carrying, dragging you back to the car. Yeah. So we, I just sat there. We, li- I literally just sat like five feet away from where I landed for better part of 45 minutes. Were you in a lot of pain? Oh, absolutely. I would, but yeah. it was just like, I was in the beginning stages of shock. So I couldn't really feel the pain in my hips as much. Uh, my head was obviously pounding, but like, I just didn't really know what was going on. I was like, okay, you know, your body just goes into survival mode. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just gonna hold myself up until I can't and then have somebody pick me up until they can't and then they'll put me back down and we'll keep going. And ambulance showed up and there was a new guy on the rig and I'm sitting there and I've been holding myself up on my arms for you know, an hour. And so my veins are just blowing up right now. And 
he's like, yeah, I want to get your a BP reading and get you get an IV on you. And I was like, that's not going to happen, dog. <laughs> I was like, let's get me on a board first. Let's get me out of here first. And he's like, well, no, I need to get a BP. And I was like, okay. And he's like trying to figure out how to get this BP cuff on me. And he's looking at my veins. And then one of the more senior guys in the rig walks around the corner. And he's like, why is this guy not on a board yet? Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. You and got the new guy that day. Yeah. The yeah. new guy showed up. And, and the guy's like, what are we doing? Like, get get him off of his arms. Like, you can't get a BP reading. Yeah. He's flexing his muscles. And they're like, oh, okay. So they lay me down. They had to put me on a half board. So I don't know if you know what that is. But mm-hmm. basically, it's supposed to be half your body. Because I couldn't extend my right leg at all. I tried to. Like, they put me down on the board. They're like, okay, we're going to flip you over. I was like, that's not going to work, guys. They're like, what do you mean it's not going to work? I was like, uh, I can't move my right leg. Like wow. it's it was stuck at ninety degrees. I tried oh, so to it was, it was so painful. Bent. Yeah, so it was bent at ninety degrees, and it was so painful to try and move it. That is it, that because of all the stuff in your hip and well, yeah, because all the muscle attachments and yeah, yeah, everything just was screwed. Tore all that stuff yeah. up. So I couldn't move my leg, and so I'm sitting there on this backboard. They like cut my pants off, cut my shirt off, cut my harness off, cut everything off of me, and. Like my both my feet are just ballooned up, so they're like trying to see if there's any way they can save my shoes, my climbing shoes. I'm like, I don't care about it, just get them off. So, cut everything off. I mean, I'm laying there, half naked on this backboard. My head's like this, and uh, my right leg's sticking up in the air. And this junior paramedic walks up again, and he goes, "Hey, man, I need to put you in a C collar." And I'm like, <laughs> "See that? That's your cervical spine." it's twisted i'm like that's gonna do nothing but put my nose in this board and he's like I- i'm sorry i gotta do it and i was like all right go for it <laughs> so i like pick my head up and they like put the c collar on me and i put my face back down <laughs> and the head paramedic who's you know working on something else turns back around and he just laughs he's like get that thing off of him <laughs> i was like thank you yeah yeah and take it off and i t- put my head and he's like he's been s- holding himself up turning like if he had a neck injury, yeah, we'd know about it yeah, by now. Yeah. And putting a C collar on him now is not going to do anything. Just make him uncomfortable. Yeah. And so uh, they drove me about five minutes down the road and the helicopter came and landed. And the last thing that I remember is hearing the flight medic come over and they're like, they're talking and they're chatting. And he's like, yeah, we're just going to dust him up with ketamine and throw him on the bird. And, I'll, and that's the last thing I remember. Because then they injected me and... I was out. You were out. I was on cloud nine. Yeah. I was I was not here. Yeah. And uh, then we landed. I have a very, very, very brief memory of landing at the hospital. I'm back on my back. I don't know how I got there. And the flight medic looks over me. He's like, hey, you're going to be okay. I'm like, uh. <laughs> yeah. And then I wake up like a day and a half later in the ICU. Yeah. Well, then the long road to recovery then. Yep. Like how long? So I was in the hospital for like inpatient for like six weeks. And then I was in a wheelchair for three months and then started to relearn how to walk. And that was all outpatient on hospital grounds. Yeah. And then once I relearned how to walk, they were kind of like, okay, we're going to send you up north to Camp Pendleton to Wounded Warrior Battalion. You're going to spend your time over there doing recovery. Yeah. Uh, And I was there for like two weeks, met a couple people that I knew and, uh, I know one of my buddies, they had, you know, they have all the adaptive sports programs and he comes to my room and he bangs on my door. It's like nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, I don't want to do anything today. He's like, you're coming on a bike ride. 
But like, I don't want to go on it. Like, I can't sit on a bike. I don't have a sit bone on my right side. There's no, no chance. Did you have a background with biking? Um, you me you yeah, like yeah. So biking, I, mountain right? biking when I was yeah. a kid, but nothing crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was like I'd never gotten on a road bike. I'd always been like, because this is important crazy. for the audience to catch right now, because this yeah, is leading like, into where what yeah. you're going to be doing Absolutely. shortly. So he Absolutely. tells you to let's go out on a bike ride, and you're like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have. Yeah. What do you call it? I was going to call like, it a butt cheek bone. I don't have a sit bone. It's like I don't have a sit bone on my side. I can't sit on a bike seat, even if I could. It'd be so incredibly painful that I'm like, this yeah. would not be worth it. And then your hip, the hip movement, I would mm -hmm. think. And where he's like, no, no, there's there's a way we can get you on a bike. Like, let's just go try it. If it, if you spend 10 minutes on it and you hate it, then we're done. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So I go out there with him and uh, they put me in a recumbent bike. So it's basically a trike where you're laying down. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was in a fighter jet. Yeah. Oh, it was the greatest thing I've ever yeah. done in my entire yeah. life. And I was like, this is awesome. When can we do this again? And Brad, who's the cycling coach at Wounded Warrior, he goes, well, we Quentin and I ride every day at 9, and then we do another ride at noon. And I was like, okay, well, I won't take your guys' ride at 9, but I'll come at noon. And so every day from then on. Started riding. Started riding at noon. Yeah. Well, the Marine Corps Trials was the thing that was going on there. And so we started having fun, and Brad's like, hey, you want to do the trials? Like, it, it, it's all the talk about at Wounded Warrior when trials are about to come up. Everyone's the like, trials for? Trial. Uh, it's just, so it's the Marine Corps Trials. It's four warrior games, basically, but it's just a competition. Yep. It's supposed to be fun. And then based off the results of that, they select the team for warrior games. Yeah. And so I, uh, you know, I was like, yes, sure, I'll do it. And they're like, okay, well, you know, they, they would like to have people do a couple different sports. So if you can figure something out, um, go for it. And I'd been doing archery for a little bit while I was there just as like a, it was, it was a great mental health thing mm -hmm. for me because it forced me to slow everything down. And cycling is fast yeah you're yeah. not going slow even if you are going slow yeah and you're thinking about a lot of different things and you're always worried about and so it's like a very stressful type of environment and so i did archery where it's like okay i really have to like center myself and focus and think and uh it made a huge difference in my mental recovery because it just let me yeah and forced you were, me slow you were down. dealing with the tbi it's mm -hmm. a traumatic brain injury yeah. right so my brain was a mush yeah um especially those first six eight months yeah. And so having cycling and having archery and having all these sports in the background were just yeah. phenomenal. And then on top on top of physical therapy and, and speech yeah. therapy and all it's that. It's helping a lot. Did it help being with other wounded warriors? Did Absolutely. it help? Because I think that's why they do that, right? So you're with other people that are dealing with some of these similar yep. injuries or different injuries. Yep. So yeah. my buddy, one of my best friends now, uh, his name's Quentin Umberger, lives out in Georgia. He's actually going to become a police officer here soon. Um, he was in a motorcycle accident. He was racing completely above board. Marine Corps all knew about it. It was great. He'd done it before. He never had an issue. Uh, the O-ring on his oil filter. Just not sure what exactly happened, but it failed. Mm. Started spewing oil all over his back tire. He high-sided and broke his back. Mm. So he's got two metal rods going up and down his spine. And so he was there. Our, our injuries, our accidents were actually within a week of each other. Did and you know each other before this? Okay, so never you meet, met. You we meet never there. interacted yeah. with yeah. each other, but our injuries happened within a week of each other. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden, he'd been to Wounded Warrior a little bit before I had at the Camp Pendleton. Yeah. So I got there, and we were in the same squad. Yeah. I had the same squad leader, I had the same uh, section leader, and so we're like, okay, cool. You know, you just kind of get to know those. This guys goes back a to the more. camaraderie we were talking about earlier, exactly. right? Like you and go it, through suffering yeah. together. And, yeah. yeah. And well, you meet somebody, and it's like when you go to a new unit, you just kind of like. You're like, okay, well, hey, like, I'm not going to be antisocial because all these guys are here and they hate yeah. it too. So, like, yeah. why not? Let's, let's just get to <laughs> yeah. know each other. So, he was like, yeah, come on a bike ride. Come on a bike ride. Come, come. And he kept pressuring me, kept pressuring me. 
And I was like, no, no. And then w- the one day he just, you're coming on a bike ride today and there's nothing you can say that's yeah. going to stop me. And yeah. I was like, fine. And I fell in love with it. So and did you compete in the games? Did you compete with both archery and biking? And swimming. And swimming. Yeah. Okay. And then did you, because I know you end up going to the Invictus Games. I did, yeah. Which is a huge deal, again. Yeah, that was that was all, like, last second. Like, we didn't know, to know that was like happening. I need to tell the audience, you need to go Google the Invictus Games and find yeah. out what this is. No, please this do. Is, this is big. Please do, yeah. because Invictus is amazing. Um, and it's it's one of those where, you know, until you actually go, you're like, oh, that sounds cool. And, like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And it's kind of this, like, far-fetched, out-of-reach yeah. idea. And then... All of a sudden, it's like you get the phone call, and they're like, "Hey, you want to go to Invictus?" You're like, "Yeah, what? Yeah." Because the year before that, 2021 was so my accident happened August 21st of 2020, and then six months later was Marine Corps trials, so March of 21. I had gotten on a bike for the first time earlier in March, like two weeks before trials. Wait, so you're so six I'm, months I'm out six, from your I'm, injury? I'm six months out of breaking my pelvis, both my feet, having a concussion, TBI. I've just relearned how to walk in the last month and a half, and I'm getting on a bicycle. Then two weeks later, I'm in a bike race <laughs> at Wounded Warrior. This time. is crazy. Oh, yeah. And I'm a, I'm in a, I'm in a I'm in a trike, so I've never done this before. Yeah. Like this is not remotely comfortable for me. I'm like I don't know how I'm doing this all. And so then we get done with trials, and Brad comes up. He's like, "Okay, we're gonna try an upright bike for you today because if you get selected for Warrior Games, I want you on an upright bike because you're gonna be so much faster." And you could you can win this thing. I was like, okay. So we tried it and it worked out. We didn't think neither one of we're like, this is gonna be like we're gonna spend like weeks trying yeah. to figure out how I'm gonna be able to sit on this bike. And it just worked. You, you got it immediately figured out. It was just like, oh yeah, this is okay. Fine. Before we go on though, you gotta tell me, does it is it is it pretty weird? Like we were talking about oh, that yeah. earlier. You're sitting on yeah. a bike yeah. seat, so, you're so, missing right. A bike saddle is not it's not, not a significant thing. I mean, you're basically sitting on a massive on, on a yeah. very small V, yeah. right? And what what's supposed to hold you up is your two sit bones. Yeah. Well, I don't have one of those on my right side. So when I sit down, regardless of where I'm sitting, my hips shift a little bit to the right. So I have to over either overcorrect that with my back or overcorrect it with my core, which ended up helping me a lot because all of a sudden, now I'm sitting on this bike seat and I already have the core strength that most people don't have because every day of my life, I'm having You've to You've been having to do that now for, yeah. Huh? For the last six months. So we get on the upright bike and it just works and we get me pedals and we get going and start training and unfortunately warrior games at the end of 2021 got canceled because of covid uh they did a virtual challenge where we were racing on on trainers but they didn't set any uh they didn't set any parameters so they're like yep you just got to go this distance they didn't tell us you know resistance anything we're like okay so we're just going to put the resistance at zero and you're basically riding this race downhill so my average speed was about 42 miles an hour. <laughs> you're just spinning out, I right? just, I mean, we got me spinning up and Brad's looking at me. He's like, dude, you're going to finish this way too fast. I was like, yeah, I really don't care. And so we get going on the race and I'm cranking, absolutely cranking. My speed on my little computer in front of me is saying like 45 miles an hour, 48. And I'm like trying to hit 50. And uh, I look down and I'm like, oh, I'm like quarter of a mile away from being done. And seven minutes in. Like, this is supposed to take, like, 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. at least. Seven minutes in. And I'm like, okay. And I look at Brad, and he looks at my computer, and he goes, we'll push. And I was like, okay. Crank it up another gear, keep pushing, finish, and uh, write my time down. I think it finished in, like, seven minutes and 38 seconds. I think it was, like, a 15 or 18-mile race. I finished in, 
like seven minutes. Yeah. And they're like, what? Yeah. What? And everybody was shocked. And there was another guy who was like more able than I was, who was riding just next to me. And it took him seven more minutes to finish. And it was like, wow. And I'm just thinking about that math. I'm like, that didn't work out. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we get done. And one of the athletic trainers who was there pours like water bottles all over my head, trying to cool me down. Cause we're outside in California in August. Yeah, it's hot. It's, it's hot. not yeah, a cool yeah. place to be. And so they're dumping water over everybody's heads and we're done. And we kind of stopped riding after that because we're like, games is done. We'd been training for games. We wanted to go win medals and they didn't get out any medals for the virtual challenge. We're like, this is really stupid. And then come January, I get a phone call from our, uh, one of the guys who works at Battalion, who's an amputee. And he goes, hey, uh, you know what Invictus is, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, uh, there's an opening on the roster. You want to go? Yeah. You didn't have to think about it? I was like, yeah. He's like, okay. I was like, when? I was like, what is it, next year? He's like, it's in April. <laughs> so I'm like, so I have three months. This is kind of like, like your recovery time too. It, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like I flip it all back around because I haven't been riding for the last three. And mm -hmm. so I was like, well, crap, mm -hmm. let's go. And so I go talk about it. I'm like, hey, I'm going to Invictus. We, we got to start now. And so we just jumped right back onto the bike. Where was Invictus crazy. that year? Invictus was in Amsterdam. Uh, not in Amsterdam. Did they move it around? Hague. Yeah, so the, yeah. It, it moves around. This okay. upcoming year, this year it's going to be in Dusseldorf. Okay. So I'll okay. be there. I'll just friends and family. So yeah. I'll be yeah. cheering everybody on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Which an Invictus game. So I wrote down, I looked it up. Invictus actually means unconquered. I love their little phrase. Mm -hmm. We came, we saw, we're unconquered. Yes. So yeah, we so usually think we I came, we saw, Invictus. we conquered, but we're unconquered, which is kind of the idea of it, right? Is you're saying, hey, these, I have this injury, but it's not going to conquer me. It's not going to win. Yeah. So Invictus is actually the name of a poem. I don't remember the name, the, the guy who made the poem, but uh, in the poem it says, uh, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. Mm -hmm. And I may be flipping those two, yep. but it's along yep. those lines. And basically that, that's kind of the whole mindset about Invictus. Unconquered is the exact same thing. And so there's actually teams at Invictus, for the, especially for the team sports, that are team unconquered. And so it's specifically for countries who that are – taking part that are not able to field a whole team for whatever that sport is so rugby volleyball or basketball and there's an unconquered team and for some sports there's three unconquered teams for some sports there's none and so you take part in team unconquered and they pull people from all the other countries who are just extra athletes who wanted to play the sport but maybe didn't get selected wow, for the team you're playing. and you get so to they're play. wounded yeah. warriors that are playing and you're playing with people from six other countries that's amazing it's so cool and yeah. and they call it team unconquered and one of my buddies was able to be on the uh, unconquered team for Ukraine for uh, volleyball and rugby. Wow. So that was really cool. Yeah. It was really yeah. cool. Um, so, so Patrick, take us back, though, to your – what was the lowest point for you? Your, there was a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us um, about those. So you, you yeah. probably, I'm assuming, it was in that recovery time? Yes. Yeah. So it was kind of all over the place. There was like five or six different times when you're just like, I'm just hating life right now. Mm -hmm. Um, the first ones are when I was in the hospital and I'm sitting there by myself. I couldn't have any visitors because this is peak of COVID. I mean, it's August of 2020. Mm -hmm. Nobody can come visit me. Like my dad can't come. My mom can't come. The guys that are literally sitting outside in the parking lot can't come inside. Wow. So you're just sitting in there all alone. Sitting in there all alone. All I have is the nurses. I'm in ridiculous pain and they're super busy. And so it's like, Every once in a while, somebody's coming in and checking on me. And so I'm just miserable. And How long after right your now. injury is this? This is oh, this is like three days. Oh, so dear. Oh, so for the first, the first so you, week, first week and a half after I fell, 
I had no visitors. I had I didn't. So you're so, dealing with all this stuff eat. emotionally, physically, and you have no one all in there by myself. Eat. I had I didn't eat for a week. I drank water. I had drugs. That was it. It was absolutely insane. And then I was waiting for surgery. Part of that was I was waiting for surgery for three days because I had a hematoma, which is basically a massive pool of blood mm-hmm. inside my abdomen that was the size of my stomach and my liver combined. So big pool of blood about that big just sitting inside of my body. And they were like, we cannot operate with that there because we don't know what one what's causing it, if it's still bleeding. Yeah. And if it is, you could just bleed out. Yeah. And it's like, we'd rather have you bleeding internally and we can actually try and figure out what that problem is because you're not dying yet. Like you're close, but you're not there. Yet. I was like, <laughs> "Thanks, so, Doc." Yeah. Like what? I think, thank you. Yeah. And so then eventually they're like, "Hey, bleeding has slowed down. It's not critical. We can go in and operate." So they went in and they put the um, bolts in my hip. They put like three or four in my right hip. They put a plate at my pubic symphysis and like four screws in there to hold that together. Uh, and that was the initial surgery, and that was three days after the fall. And so I was just sitting there with nothing. Just, for three days. Yeah. And they were turning, like I said earlier, they were turning me like two or three times a day yeah. to clean the wound that I had. Yeah. So which wasn't comfortable. Oh some yeah. of the most miserable moments of my life. Oh. And so then once they did the initial surgery, I got a little bit better. Um, once I was stable at that point, a few days after that, they transferred me to Balboa. Yeah. And uh the the darkest day for me, and my mom will say the same thing. So she flew out and met me in Balboa. So she got there later the same day that I did. They, there's an ambulance that was coming to pick me up. I was supposed to get flown from Palm Springs to San Diego. Basically, the government was like, no, we're not going to pay for that because it's not necessary. He's already had a life flight. Like He doesn't need that again. He can take an ambulance. But because it was so last second, that they said that, they didn't get an ambulance with a medic on it. So if you don't have an ambulance with a paramedic on it, they can't administer drugs. So I had a four and a half hour ambulance ride at midnight in California from Palm Springs to San Diego with, with no, no medication drugs. at all. Oh, man. Not, not like, oh, they can You're slip s- me some aspirin or they can yeah. slip me some, nothing. So they gave me Dilaudid when I left. And they gave me the lotted when I got there, but I had nothing for four and a half hours. Into the last of hour was hell on earth. Yeah. Complete hell on earth. Oh, man. So we get in to Balboa at about 3.30 in the morning. Um, and they, they take me in. They're doing like intake stuff with me, getting me all set up till about 4.30. I go to sleep an hour and a half later. First doctor walks in my room start asking me questions and start doing his part mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. normal rounds of the day at six o'clock in the morning. I've had like an hour and a half of sleep after the single worst night of my life. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. I don't want to, I don't. And they're like, okay, well go, go ahead, go back to sleep. We'll come back in a little bit. I was like, sweet. <laughs> Immediately just gone. Yeah. And so they come back 45 minutes later, same thing. I'm like, guys, come on, really? Are we doing Which this? Which is kind of the life in the hospital, yeah. right? Just constantly. Well, it's even worse in the military. Yeah. Right? Because what yeah. happens is all, all the underlings come yeah. in and talk to you before. Because <laughs> they're all getting trained. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're all, they're, yeah. So they want to have all the information so that they can then brief their yeah their chief on what. And so I'm like, 
So I have six people come in and talk to me yeah. before 8 a.m. And then all of them come back in at like 8.30. And I'm like, why couldn't we have just done this now and let me sleep? Mm-hmm. And the surgeon was like, yeah, why didn't you guys? And they're like, well, this is how we always, they're like, didn't you look at his chart and see that he got in at 4.30 in the freaking morning? And then, so they were not happy. The corpsmen were not happy. It was just, it was a whole, whole thing. This is just when your mom it, comes yeah, in? So she- my mom doesn't get until later this after, that afternoon. Yeah. So that whole day was tests. So it was MRIs, it was x-rays, it was CT scans, it was every test you can imagine. Basically, this is the first time I was at a military hospital. So they wanted to get everything Mm -hmm. from top to bottom. They wanted it all documented out. So I did something like 65, 70 x-rays that day. Oh my Um, goodness. They did two MRIs and a CT scan. Man, I imagine all this was and just they, wearing. And this is well, wearing. Yeah, you, right? I mean, like it's just building. It's just a mental drain. Because you're, I mean, I'm just pale. I'm exhausted. I'm drained. I've got no life left in me. And is it, this the first time your mom sees you? Yeah. Then? And I roll back After into the room. The... My mom's right there. That's the first time any of my family members have ever have seen me since. Mm. And she's like, I thought you were dead. She's like, I thought you were Gosh, dead. I imagine for I, her, oh, this I can was probably one of the worst yeah. days of her life, too. Yeah. Then. So we, wow. we actually we call that day hell day. Yeah. Because it was mentally, emotionally, and physically draining in every way possible. Well, you're doing something pretty. So you've been in the Evictus Games, and then you and your brother are doing something pretty cool here this next yes. month, right? So you're headed to... Yeah, so we're headed to Iceland Yeah. Um, in, in June. And we're going to be... I'm, I'm going to be doing a lap of the island on my bike. And so we're... You make we're it filming. a lap. You make it sound like oh, it's a like yeah, quarter it's of a, a mile. Lap, and like, <laughs> yeah, be like, no, no it's, it's, it's 1,100 miles in about eight days. And it's going to be, it's going to be a lot. Yeah. It's going to be a lot, but we're, it's all part of a documentary that we're making about me and my story. Yeah. Um, and we're basically trying to focus on the recovery aspect of it. And then from there, really dive into like the mental health piece Yeah, and, and how, I mean, it happened for me, you know, it's like my darkest day was that hell day. Mm-hmm. My darkest moments were the times when I put a gun in my head and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm done with this. I am done with this. I am you done with you this. were at that point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Multiple times. Multiple, Multiple times. times. So that's actually why I have this tattoo and that's why I have this tattoo. Yeah. Because this, the Ace of Spades was a huge thing for me in my recovery, in my mental health side of things. Because yeah. I went to mental health and like, hey, you sound like you would benefit from having like a physical reminder. Something with you, whether it's with you every day or you just see it in the morning, whatever where you can remind yourself, I am the most important person in my life right now. And that needs to be constant. Yeah. And so what I did is I pretty much always am wearing a hat. So I got an ace of spades, which is the highest card in yeah. the deck of cards. Yeah. And I put it in my hat. And that and it, represented and the importance that re- and, of you. And I, yeah. would, I would take my hat off and I'd fix my hair and I'd look at it and I'd put my hat back on. Hmm. And it was just a super mundane act that nobody ever noticed, nobody ever thought of, but it was just something that I could do I was ever in a bad mental place, even yeah. remotely starting to go downhill, I just look at my hat. Yeah. Well, Patrick, you know, and you're saying, amazing. and I don't, I don't want mm-hmm. us to miss this, you're saying you were in that bad spot a number oh. of times. Oh, yeah. A really low spot. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so you guys, part of your story then is to tell that, is to mm-hmm. help people understand that, that that whole process that it's you It's always there. So how would people find you or this story if they wanted to follow you? Are, they, are we able to? Yeah, like, absolutely. Okay. So so the, the film is pmthefilm.com. Kellen's actually publishing the website today okay. as we're recording this. So it's pmthefilm.com, uh, no caps, no spaces. pmthefilm.com. Film, okay. That's the website and then the We have the Instagram. same initial. So is, are you sure this isn't about me? Uh, Patrick we're going to find out. Patrick hey, hey, we may ju- I may just use you for some like <laughs> yeah. professional photos. You know, I wish I was that, Jack. Um, yeah, I can't ride bikes as fast as you, trust okay. me. It's, we'll, we'll, 
Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a photographer for a reason. Right? We have an Instagram that is PM. It's the handle is at PM dot uh, PRJECT. Okay. Yeah, that's the PM project. Okay. And then we'll put this in the comments. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and from we'll there, you can find in the find, comments like, below when we post it. Yeah. Yeah. You can find my Instagram. You can find Kellen's Instagram from there. You can find all of those. But okay. those are the two big ones for the project. And then we'll be able to like actually follow your progress. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be posting. So we'll be updates. dropping this about the time you're starting. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. So it'll be a little bit. So we won't be getting dice until the middle of June. Okay. Like oh, good. June 14th that's perfect, or so. Then. Yeah. So, so when this drops, mm -hmm. you're going to be starting there about a yeah. week or so after that. Yep. Yeah. So we'll be riding in, actually, when people are hearing this, we'll be riding in Cal or in Colorado. And training. We'll be, I'll be training and I'll yeah. be doing Vail Pass. And I'll be riding in the mountains up there. Yeah. To get ready. Yeah. Wow. But yeah. It's, it's well, going to be a lot of fun. Congratulations to you. And uh, this story um, needs to be told for sure because. Like you said, you have an understanding of some of this stuff that no one else can. You yep. People that have been in that kind of world or struggle with that and the mental health part of it probably coming back. Like you said, you've had a lot of low points. Yeah. The mental health part of it is really something we're trying to focus on because there's, like I said earlier with, you know, Tennessee has the, it, they have doubled the veteran suicide rate. Yeah, we were talking about that before else. we turned yeah. this on, right? Or were, was it's, it on this? So there's double... It. Yeah, they yeah. have they and, have the highest team or highest veteran suicide rate in the man, country, and it's double the national average. Yeah, it's it's insane. And so, and that's, suicide that, that is, is heartbreaking thing. to me to think that the people that went into the service mm -hmm. to help serve our country, um, that suicide rate is is horrendous, and something yep. has to be done. It does. We have to it change does. that. Yeah. So I know the governor of. Tennessee is really trying to focus on that. The VA in Tennessee is trying to focus mm -hmm. on that. I know one of the mm -hmm. guys who's trying to work into that program and trying to work through it. Um, but, I mean, it, suicide is just, it, it's a taboo thing. Nobody wants to talk about. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to sit down and have the tough conversation and say, mm -hmm. yeah, I was at that point. I was at that point a couple of times mm -hmm. when I was ready to just end it all right mm -hmm. then and there. And there was, I mean, there were times I'd be driving down the highway and there'd be a semi-truck going the other way. I'd be like, I could just. It crossed your mind. Yeah. Every time. Every yeah. time. And, it, and it's a constant thing. And once it's there, it doesn't leave. Mm -hmm. You just get better at handling it. And so it's one of those things where you really have to focus on how am I going to work through this and work past this every single day of my life. Well, so you're saying that that's, you haven't like... Oh, that's never left me. It's not the left idea. You. So you're still thought, having to work through this and, and the deal thoughts, with this. The thought is still there every day. Yeah. And it's never in the moment when you think. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's never, you know, something, mm -hmm. you hear some sad news. Or, it's just like feel like you're having a good day and then all of a sudden it's like you see something you hear something some noise or something just triggers something in your brain and well, you're like whoa and, what and patrick what they're finding right is you know certainly it's multifaceted on the reasons of that but tbis are certainly part of it training, yes. uh, traumatic brain injuries that mm -hmm. is one of the things that anybody that's gone through those deals with and so again a lot of the wounded warriors are yeah. wrestling through that and dealing yeah. with that's an ongoing battle that they have as it you're is. saying so man appreciate that you're doing this we are definitely going to be following you and yeah. cheering for you and thanks for sharing your story yeah, thank appreciate, you. it. appreciate it appreciate it we have to end with this we always ah, do it it's, yes, a, it's yes. a fun way we finish the two truths and a lie so so okay so i've got uh, i've been shot in the back of the head i met prince harry and i have no feeling in the bottom half of my right leg I'm going to say the no no feeling in the bottom of your you that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's actually both legs. So from my knee down, I have dead spaces in my entire left leg where it's like your foot and bug, everything. Oh yeah, somebody could like poke me in my leg and I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> feel it. It's the weirdest thing cuz sometimes I'll get twings of feeling and yeah. it'll feel like there's like a bug on my leg. Yeah. Weirdest time it's ever happened. It was negative 5. I was skiing in Colorado like 6 months ago. 
and I felt I thought I felt a mosquito on my leg. I was like, that's not possible. That's just not so possible. Just these like phantom just feelings, phantom, yeah, which yeah. is and wow. yes, but it's both legs, and my right leg is a little bit worse. Okay, so, so that's true. So then I'm between two. You were shot in the back of the head, or you met, met Prince. Prince Harry. I'm going to say you met Prince Harry is true as well. So yes, yes and no. I've seen him. I never actually met him. <laughs> so so is that the lie? Yeah. Or did you set me up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I have met him. Met him. Yeah. I've seen him from like. Yeah. He's far away. Okay. Like he's 10 feet away from me. I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, does but that I never mean the first him. one is true? Yeah. So in boot camp, actually, it wasn't in boot camp. It was just afterwards. MCT, you do maneuvers under fire. And basically, it's at night, and you're you're, you're firing, and you're shoot moving and communicating all at the same time with guys. And everybody's got mm -hmm. an active rifle. So I run up, and I get down, and I start shooting. Well, the guy that was behind me to my right got up, didn't have his finger off of his trigger, and it came, and it grazed the top of my helmet, shot me, hit me in the back of the head. And went flying off. So I legitimately got shot. You, in the back you of the head. actually have, Patrick, you have a lot of things that you can say, um, this has happened to me and it's probably never happened to you. Like I got shot yeah. in the back of the head, yeah. I mm -hmm. fell 60 feet. Mm -hmm. I mean, you. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like I was telling you before, I was like, I got a couple of them, but it's like, yeah. I don't know which ones to use. Those were good ones. Yeah. Those so no, it, it grazed the bullet, hit my helmet and just grazed <laughs> off. He didn't hit me square on. So I got really, really lucky. And uh, yeah, he got a Spartan kick to the chest and. We never uh, saw that kid again. Yeah. So. Hey, well, thank you so much, Patrick, and good luck to you this next month. We're going to be cheering you on and uh, appreciate your service again. Yeah, thank you. Yep. What an amazing journey that Patrick has had. And it's a reminder to me that every person we lay our eyes on, we really have no idea the struggles that they're facing or the struggles they've gone through. So if anyone you know, or maybe you even are struggling with some stuff, we would love if you would reach out to us. You can leave your comments below or especially email us at info at And remember to like, follow, and subscribe.